right. Hi. Welcome to the podcast and or video if this is how you're enjoying this hassle-free delivery system. Content delivered to you here from the comfort of my home towards the betterment of hopefully your journey on the path towards becoming a yoga teacher. My name is Danielle Day and I am the director and the founder and the lead trainer of Open Up Yoga Teacher Training. Today's topic is pranayama, the fourth limb of the eight-limbed path of yoga. So here we are. I hope that you have in your possession, obviously, your beverage of water, but maybe a cup of tea or coffee so that you can really cozy up with the content. We're going to settle in here and we're going to speak of something pretty special, pranayama. Now, when you first hear that word, especially if you've been practicing in the Hatha tradition, you might think of this word as the breathing activities that we do in the Bikram tradition, because we call it pranayama breathing, where you interlace your fingers under your chin, you lift and lower your elbows as you're breathing. But let's be clear, that label, that title, that name for that particular activity in that particular tradition is just that. It's a name. It's a placeholder for the activity. But the word pranayama with, let's say, a capital letter P is the fourth limb of yoga. Now, what do you remember about pranayama? What do you remember about the definition? Well, a lot of times people first say, well, that's breathing. It's like, well, it is, but it isn't. What was the relationship between prana and breath? Well, what we say is prana, which is your life force, rides in on the breath. So the great bird of prana from the Upanishads, the main text underpinning the tradition of the Hindu culture, holds that yamas, remember the first limb of yoga, yamas are like regulations. They're like a way to restrain or control something. Why would you want to restrain or control your prana, your life force? Well, just like how the yamas are kind of like the ethics and the guidelines we live by, we can think of the yamas as regulations. So when you are joining in the fun of this autonomic, automatic process of respiration, you are switching gears from just living and switching gears to being. So think about it. Right now you're breathing. You weren't even thinking about it till we talked about it. And the first thing you did on this earth and the last thing you'll do when you leave is to breathe. So there you're like, well, why are we talking about it then? If it's something I'm doing already, it's something that I've been practicing, you know, my entire life. Why do we talk about it in yoga? In fact, I know that this is a question because throughout my career as a studio manager and a studio owner, 
as well as a teacher, I've heard students complain that they get really bored when yoga teachers talk about breathing. And I can imagine why that would be so if we weren't doing a good enough job of explaining pranayama. So right now, my dog is using his breath and his life force to make a point to his roommates, the cats. He's a little insecure that they want his food, so he is using his prana to make his point. Similarly, when you join in on your breathing, giving it direction, giving it focus, giving it a purpose, then you're taking charge, taking control, and you're regulating not just your life force, but your level of energy and your attention and mindfulness. So life pulls us from our focal point in many ways, and whatever we are being pulled toward, well, we better hope it's worth our prana. Your life force and your finite resource of time on this earth exhibited by the beautiful breath flowing in and out is a choice that you make, hopefully in alignment with what makes you happy, serves your dharma, makes you feel peaceful and at ease, free from suffering. When things, life, contrast gets away from you, you end up devoting your prana toward fulfilling some sort of narrative of I'm being gypped, like my dog, thinking that the cats are going to eat his food. Directing his attention and prana away from just the simple happy joy of eating and sleeping and cuddling and all the playing and good things that dogs like to do. He's wasting his energy. He's wasting his prana. And he's driving the vibration of the room down. Cats are kind of freaked out. I'm a little on edge. So we understand from this very ably executed example, this demonstration, if you will, that our energy can affect other people. You know how it is. You've got folks in your life that you feel like you like their energy. And you use those words. You say they have great energy. What does that mean? Well, for a teacher to have great energy, um, it's probably got something to do with the vibration that they bring to the class. Remember, Einstein proved that everything is energy and energy operates on certain frequencies and we can choose to vibrate at a low frequency like Nemo here. It's a scarcity complex. He's afraid they're going to eat his food and he's feeling competitive. So he's going to expend his energy that way. Or we can choose to go upstairs in terms of our vibration up through the chakras to these higher, higher expressions of compassion, of sharing, of awakening, and of, uni of union, right? To make things a little bit easier and more peaceful and at ease for others. So we have choices. It can either be about yourself and your own needs or the greater good. And that's what we talk about in yoga. So pranayama, prana, your life force. Yama, regulation, regulation of your life force. Why do we care? We care for a few reasons. Vibration, like I just talked about. When you're vibing at a low frequency and your vibration is down low in terms of the first and the second and third chakras, these are the realms of I, me, and mine. 
my needs, my story, my goals, my agenda. Yet when I take a breath, right at the diaphragm muscle, I can then access these higher levels, these higher frequencies into my heart space where it's about sharing and giving and compassion and loving. Or up here into this communication place where I'm not just about talking, I'm about listening, I'm about communication, where it's about receiving information as well as sharing information. And then again, once these chakras are doing their jobs, we have access here to our third eye, the sixth chakra. This concept here is about seeing beyond the veil of the illusion of suffering that we are all separate people on a earth with scarce resources we better compete with each other for our right to exist instead the third eye seeks to lift the veil of maya m-a-y-a the illusion to see the big picture this is going right into your right hemisphere where you are able to experience this moment without any agenda this is what we call samadhi where you live in this place of i am enough and suddenly you're not so worried fearful, you're certainly not angry, and you're of a nice non-attached and generous and loving, compassionate space where you have the bandwidth to attend to life without losing it. So you take a look at my dog and his frequency of like scarcity, they're going to get my food. He's got what you would call a very short fuse. He sees a cat walking by, he tells himself a story, he's going to get my food and he goes for it and he goes nuts. But when you practice on the path and you take really good care of your vibration and you monitor your vibration, you monitor your thoughts, words, deeds, and actions, you can then vibrate a little higher upstairs and see that everything really is this fine. You are this strong. You're this well. You're this loved and everything's going to be okay. And then you feel this oneness with others rather than competition or fear or scarcity. So do you see lower vibrations? It's about fear. Higher vibrations. It's about the ultimate highest vibration we can operate at, and that's gratitude. So pranayama, you're like, well, what does this got to do with anything? Well, in the yoga tradition, it's held that you are electricity. And I kind of think that we sort of can wrap our heads around that no matter who we are, because we understand electrolytes help conduct the electricity in our body. Every cell has a sodium potassium pump and those are electrolytes which help your brain and your heart for their nerve impulses and conduction so that you can be alive. And so in the yoga tradition, it's held that you are 72,000 channels of energy called nadis, N-A-D-I-S, nadis, 72,000 channels of energy. Think about these channels of energy as being either blocked, sluggish, or open and flowing, as vibrating low, vibrating high, as conducting the energy of your thoughts, your words, your deeds, and your actions to the wider universe. And we know through nature and scientific method that like attracts like, it's the same in the yogic path, when we talk about the difference between gross anatomy, which is your muscles and your bones and your connective tissue and, you know, the things that you could identify in, say, a cadaver, okay, and subtle energy, which is energy, 
subtle, the subtle bodies, which is energy, the subtle anatomy, which has to do with things like the nadis, N-A-D-I-S, the channels of energy and the chakras. Chakra means wheel. And we have seven main channels of energy that we discuss in yoga, vibrating from the lower energies of survival up through creativity and passions into personal power and ego to compassion, communication, intuition, and union. Now, this channel that I'm talking about, these seven chakras, they're on a main superhighway, if you will. And we can consider that the main channel of energy, it's called Shishumna Nadi. S-H-U-M-N-A, Shishumna Nadi. Shishumna Nadi, you could think of even as going down through the earth, starting at the center, the core, the red hot magma of the center of the earth, this qigong energy that you could grab through your grounding of your feet, what we call pada bandha. In pranayama, we talk about energy locks. That's a bandha, B-A-N-D-H-A, bandha. Or energy seals, mudra, M-U-D-R-A, mudra. So when you make yoga with your hands, for example, that's a mudra, right? Right. And so these things here, we are saying you're either sealing your energy or locking your energy so that you can harness and wield and regulate and direct your energy so that you can get your life done. Think about it. If you were just a live wire, 72,000 channels of energy just scattered like a downed power line, you'd be dangerous right? You wouldn't be able to be effective. Similarly, like closing the circuits in electricity with things like wires, things like plugs, things like the fuse boxes, things that take and close the circuit so that it's safe and effective. You can think of that the same way with pranayama. Okay. So now you have two bodies in this context. You have a fem sorry, a feminine side and a masculine side. Let's talk about that. The left side of you is for receiving and her name is Ida. This is the feminine energy of your second, your fourth and your sixth chakras. Ida, the feminine side. It's in alignment with the moon and it's in alignment with the divine feminine energy of receptivity, reflectivity, of integration, of illumination, and it's lovely. Think about it. It's like the mom energy in your body. Then you have the dad energy in your body, right? The masculine expressions of the first, third, and fifth chakras, it's called Pingala. This is your right side. And the right side is for initiating. The right side is a catalyst. The right side is in alignment with the sun and it's for taking action. It's your volition. It's you showing up in the world and you making things happen. So to be clear, we're all masculine and feminine in our energy. We have the second, fourth and sixth chakras for creativity for compassion and intuition, those sound like feminine qualities, don't they? Well, you also, all of us have the masculine qualities of being able to fight for survival, stand up for oneself and be confident, 
and to be spoken to and listened to in a manner of communication, a manner of sharing, and a manager, a man, <laughs> it's energy of clarity and of communication in a in a way that gets things done, right? Right? The fifth chakra is all about being able to say the words to express yourself. The third chakra is all about your get up and go, your chutzpah, your volition, your ambition. It's where your ego lives. And then your first chakra is all about survival, your right to exist, your right to fight or flight. And that whole thing about stand your ground, right? Stand on your own two feet. That's a boy job. You know, I, I know in being binary in our language here, it can be a little distasteful in 2019. But if you think about that kind of solar masculine energy, it's wonderful to know that we all can fight for survival, stand up for ourselves and speak up for ourselves as well. Okay, so play with those two ideas and you're like, okay, there's one more chakra left. That's your seventh chakra. And that is the union of both of them. This is non-binary, your crown chakra. So what we talk about in yoga is the 72,000 channels of energy, the seven hubs, these wheels, these chakras where energy is, is regulated and the feminine and masculine sides and the unification of both and this beam of light. Think about it from the center of the earth, all that red hot magma coming up through your legs, red, glowing orange into your sacral chakra, yellow there at your belly. What are you, yellow? Remember cowboys, right? Right? What are you, yellow? You yellow belly. Like that's always been a thing. The green of the growth and harmony of the heart. The true blue of where honesty and sharing comes from, being true in your truth, true blue of the fifth chakra, to the purple, which is a, is a real beautiful color signifying that we're not on the red team, we're not on the blue team, we're on the purple team. That's a pretty big deal in 2019. And then here you have this ultraviolet radiant light going up to heaven. Okay, so Shushumnanadi, this main channel of energy, these seven hubs, these wheels, going from center of the earth all the way up to heaven. And then think about it as a cascading down. So you know your field of energy, it extends to about your arm's length, right? And whatever energy you're bringing to a situation, you have an impact perhaps on other people. Similarly, other people have an impact on yours. So what do you do with that? How do you show up in the world? How do you get things done? What does this have to do with yoga? It has to do with the simple act of awareness of intention. The will of your intent is all about how you show up in the world. So pranayama. Let's start from scratch. Let's breathe. Take a sip of your nice cup of tea. Let your dog settle down so he can get into his ground too. Close your eyes. And once your five senses do their jobs of hearing and tasting, of feeling the temperature in the clothes, smelling any sense in the air, you get to look with your mind's eye, that's your third eye, the sixth chakra, and you get to walk around inside the lungs. 
And once your thinking mind starts to slow down a little, you get to enter into this beautiful realm of your body. Now for energy to rise, tension, tension has to release. So when you're taking time for some seated meditation, you can't just sit there and make it happen. You need to start with pranayama. You look inside your lungs. And, and as though you were watching your pets, you know, just from your vantage point on the couch and without mixing into what they're doing, you're just noticing, you're watching your lungs. Just noticing the effortless rhythm. And the moment that you decide to play along, to join in the fun, to help shape, elongate, amplify, and really participate with your breathing, that's when pranayama starts. Right now, empty your lungs completely and start to use your core muscles to squeeze the lower chambers of your lungs of their air as you breathe in. Drop that and open wide through your front body, side ribs, all the way to the top of your collarbones, a little beyond your normal inhale. As you exhale, watch it all just drop. It's a passive thing. There's no muscles involved in exhalation. It's just the universe, physics, gravity dropping. As you breathe in, there's your brain and certain processes asking your diaphragm to pull down to overcome atmospheric pressure and fill you. So fill up on purpose a little more than your own breath inhale. And then as you breathe out, observe it, help finish the job. Now there's so many different pranayamas. Let's start with a simple one in this moment. Empty your lungs 100%. Then in your minds, I imagine numbers like an elevator going up. As you start to breathe in, see the numbers illuminate from zero or L for lobby, if you will. One, two, three. What's the highest number you get to on your inhale? As you breathe out, visualize the numbers going backwards like the elevator going down. Again, breathe in.
Count backwards in your mind and breathe out. Finish the job. Keep pushing the breath out at the end of your exhale. This promotes relaxation. Breathe in. And you can count as fast as you want. But then your goal is to count backwards all the way to zero. And then hang out a little bit like you're going to the parking garage. Maybe a couple layers deep on the parking garage. All the way down to P3. Back to the lobby and the backup one. The top number you get, see the numbers in your brain. As you breathe out, see them go backwards, like watching Sesame Street numbers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Do, 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 do. Two more rounds. Now, before you open your eyes, take an assessment in your mind. And as you blink your eyes open, ask yourself, okay, even the dog is quiet now. Going from barking to sighing and soon snoring. So too, perhaps your brain has gone from busy, maybe to bored, that's okay, to better. From busy to bored to better. You don't just get that. You have to stop, slow down, and make that. And so in this discussion of the fourth limb of yoga, pranayama, we always want to talk about how it's a choice. You know how when you get revved up, maybe something goes awry, maybe you're not at your best. And for whatever reason, somebody stops you and they say, okay, take a breath. It's like, oh, thank you for the reminder. Unless that bothers you. Sometimes take a breath is irritating to hear and you're like, but let's pretend we're feeling a little bit more open to input from others and that we're like, okay. <sighs> Do you know why that works? It's not like traffic still isn't bad or maybe the the contrast you've experienced isn't true or maybe that like you know the thing that bugged you or set you off wasn't real do it again it's that for this moment that you're breathing in and then really breathing out on purpose there's clarity because you can't worry in the present moment worry means you're telling yourself a story about something that might happen. You can't regret because that's something that happened before that you're still waiting for the other shoe to drop and like the ramifications. To be on the breath you're on, to befriend the breath that you're on, 
to notice that you are breathing is to turn all of your attention to simply that. And, and it only can happen in the moment. You can't live in the past or the future, so therefore you can't stress or trip out. You can't feel sad, remorseful, or fearful or worried. If you're on the breath that you're on right now, that's a big deal. Even if it's just for a moment, isn't it worth it for a moment to not be screaming or freaking out or crying? Pro tip, if you are crying, no shame in that, but if it's inconvenient in the moment, drink some liquid. You cannot cry and drink a swallow of water or tea. If you are crying, you cannot sip. If you're sipping, you cannot cry. So just pro tip there. And when we talk about pranayama, when we talk about regulating our energy, the yama part is the part of your will, the will of your intent, your volition, your choice. Because remember, the first limb of yoga, the yamas, those were regulations. We were combating the very human urges to be mean, to lie, to steal, to overindulge, and to cling and be grasping and attached the yamas were about nonviolence, truth, not stealing, moderation, and non-attachment. Therefore, those are choices and they're practices. Pranayama is the practice to make the choice to join in on the fun of your breath flowing in and out. It's automatic. You don't need to think to breathe. But that's the secret. You cannot breathe as deeply when you're thinking, stressing, worrying, fearful. Therefore, you also cannot be worried, stressful, or fearful when you're just focused on breathing. Now, in this moment, in this lecture, I'm usually in a group of teachers in training. And here's my experiment. Right away... I switch topics of conversation without prepping them. And I say, now you guys, when you take your written final exam and you need a 99% score to pass to graduate teacher training, you're going to be responsible for spelling the words Manipura, Vishuddha, <laughs> Muladhara, Shvadhisthana, Anahata, Saharashrara, and Vishuddha, and Arjuna. Like, I'm like, listen, can you hear anyone breathe? No, because I just threw out a little bit of a bomb of information, of fear, and freaked everybody out. And, and the, it's like, it's so weird. You can feel it. No one's, no one's breathing. They're just thinking. And so I use that as a point. It's like, yeah, you're still kind of breathing because you would pass out if you weren't. But I submit to you humbly, let's try another experiment. Everybody, close your eyes. Empty your lungs. Breathe in all the way up to your brain and breathe out all the way down through your legs to the earth. Consciously see the breath going out through your legs down to the center of the earth and then gathering your next inhale all the way up your legs through your hips, your solar plexus, heart, throat, 
third eye and crown. And then exhale and let it wash away any tension. Inhale, feel a wellspring of vitality all the way up to your brain. And exhale, wash away any tension. Open your eyes. Were you thinking? Were you worried? Were you breathing? The two, the two are different. So what it means is the fourth limb of yoga is to really notice that you are 72,000 channels of energy. And when you bring your awareness to the focal point of your breath, you're able to change your vibration from the lower energies of being selfish, kind of like I say, like the F you, to the higher vibration where you really feel peaceful, which is the thank you. The highest vibration we can operate at as people is gratitude. Even when things are going like what we would call wrong or we're not getting it our way, when you attune into a gratitude frame of mind, like, man, you know, yeah, I experienced some contrast there because I was really feeling angry. But then I took a breath and I realized that's just my brain telling me what I do not like. And that's something that I'm guided by. Example, traffic. Somebody is jaywalking. And, you, and you, you literally see that there's the crosswalk that they could have used to cross the street. But instead, they decided to run over four lanes of traffic in two directions to cross the road because they were too lazy to use a crosswalk. And there's the vrittis. We talked about the five flavors of drama between your ears. That notion of jaywalking is against the law is the right consciousness vritti. And you're reacting to that. And you, maybe you get uptight because you're just like, you're like, that's against the rules. You're in a default position of letting your brain and its ideas and stories get control of you. But the minute you, on the path as a yogi, notice your reaction, you notice your response, and you kind of witness it with a little bemused detachment, like, look at me being a driver's ed teacher here. Like, wow, I guess... I just want everyone to be safe. Wow, I'm not maybe just an opinionated jerk who's like bent on everybody's got to follow the rules and do it the way I think it needs done. No, maybe, maybe I'm just a really cautious and careful person. I don't want to hurt anyone with my car. And then you think further along the gratitude path of man. Thank you so much that I'm an attentive driver such that I would notice things going on around me such that I would become agitated if I saw somebody jaywalking. And then you even find your trail of thought, your train of thought going to like, geez, maybe that person needed a ride. Would I give them a ride if they needed a ride? No, my safety instinct is like, don't let strangers in the car. But love on that part of you that for a second thought, who am I to deny someone transportation? <laughs> you might not act upon that because this is North America. It's 2019 and you are smart. So, you know, you're not just going to let anybody into your vehicle. But you could love on that notion that you went from being so mad because someone was breaking a rule 
to being so sweet and selfless and compassionate in that moment that if not give them a ride, might, you know, reach for an extra bottle of water and hand it to them and say, gosh, whatever you're doing today, be safe and stay hydrated. <laughs> you know, these are funny things to think about in a lecture, but they're real life moments that happen all the time. And my point is this, when you aren't consciously aware and mindful of your vibration, it gets away from you. And you start vibing at this angry place of like, I'm being gypped. I had to slow my car down because I wasn't sure if that chucklehead was going to jump in front of my car. Therefore, they just cost me six seconds and I'm late for a hair appointment. How dare they? Like, that's a low vibration. That's you just thinking of yourself. But by becoming aware of that habit and being compassionate toward it and being present with your state of mind, you were able to travel up the chain to this place of like, you know what, all beings are just trying hard not to suffer. And that guy deserves to get to his place on time the way I do too. So what does that have to do with breathing? It has everything to do with breathing. Because just like breathing in and out for survival, you're on a default system, a default situation that you don't have to think about. And similarly, getting pissed and feeling miserable and, and feeling angry that the whole world isn't devoting itself to making you happy every second is also a default system. It doesn't take any effort. It's part of being alive. You're not a jerk. You're just alive. So when you move from the default mode of it's all about me, and, and I'm just breathing anyway, so why talk about it? To, we're all in this together. And I only got to that place by slowing down, breathing on purpose for a moment, getting out of my head and into this beautiful realm called my lungs. Did I suddenly have the bandwidth to open up my third eye and see without the basic two eyes of like, that guy's breaking a rule too. Oh, I like to get where I'm going to in a hurry. I like to be on time as well. That person does too. I hope they're safe about it. And my gosh, while I'm on this thread, this train of thought, thank you universe for my safety, for my health and my happiness, that of my family, my friends, and everybody in, in the proximity of this vehicle. I love that I'm a safe driver. Thank you universe. I'm gonna keep on trucking. That's the idea. It's about going from a default mode to an on-purpose mode. And that's just yoga. That's mindfulness. And that's choosing, doing the work of choosing to be well-adjusted. All right? We can spend our lives in the lower three chakras about survival, about having our story and narrative, the prime directive of the universe, and like how we feel about how we're doing, if people like us, or if we're doing good enough, or like if we matter. You know, those lower energies, they can get away from us, and we're just gonna run around, step on other people to win. We're gonna be really mindlessness in our eating and our relationships and our just I, me, mine, me, 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 me. And we, and we can operate like that. And a lot of people vibe like that and they live like that. And they have pretty functional, even successfully, materially successful lives. And they go on probably for most of their lives vibing like that. But we know that as yogis, we're over here saying, well, if 
I really do care about other people. And I really do choose by my thoughts, my words, my deeds, and my actions to help make it better. Well, then maybe I'm going to have a better time and the good feeling of helping somebody else out is going to make me happier. Then maybe life is about being all in this together as one human family instead of a bunch of assholes competing for supposedly scarce resources on a planet that we're killing that's running out quick. See, you've got choices about where to put your energy. That's pranayama. Choices about where to put your energy. Is this worth my prana? Right now, you're on the path. You're working the program. You are moving from yoga student to yoga teacher. And that's why you're hearing these words coming out of my mouth. And cheers to that. I'm grateful for the chance to help you out. I'm so excited to share with you what my teachers taught me. So let's raise our goblet of rock for just to that for a second. Let's listen in on the dog. He went from stressing to snarling to sighing to sleeping and now he's snoring and the sound of him breathing slows my breath. I don't like to talk about this very often, but I'm going to talk about it right now. In 2012, my mother died. I sat beside her for four days straight before she finally passed. And for those four days in hospice, my stepfather and my husband, my boyfriend at the time, witnessed her clinging to this plane of existence with the most jagged sounding death rattles of breathing. And, you know, she couldn't talk her eyes were closed. She was on a ton of morphine because she had a DNR order to just let her pass at that point, succumbing to breast cancer as it ravaged through her lungs and her brain and all parts of her body. And the reason I talk about this is, you know, for four days, it was such a big breath in, such a big breath out over and over and she was a fighter that was her personality it was like I could feel her spirit her prana her life force clinging to this plane of existence on every breath that she took in and let out sometimes it stopped where you know we were like is this it is she, has she passed no no again another breath would come in and just the sound, the fury, this life force expression, it was really tough, of course. I mean, this was my mom passing and I, I stood beside her, I sat beside her and held her hand and I, I touched her face and I told her, I said, Mom, we've got this. You can put down your gardening tools and go in the house, your garden that you've been tending in terms of your family and your work and your friends and being alive you can call it good and go in the house you can you can go and it was really hard to say goodbye it was really hard to even be a little firm like mom 
it's okay, we've got this. You know, we'll take care of each other, we'll look out for each other, and we will make you proud. Your work here is done. We wish you could stay, but go. Others are waiting. Your mom, my first dog, my beloved, my father's dad that I loved so much with whom she was friends, her own family members that had passed before. Like, we wanted her for ourselves, but we knew her life in this earth suit, this go-round, was passing. And her transition to the other side It was all about breathing. It was all about breathing. Clinging to life, I could feel what pranayama really was. I mean, I became a yoga teacher in that moment, not just a group fitness instructor. So, of course, when she passed, we all were visited. You know, I I knew the end was coming and I felt like it wasn't appropriate for me to be there at that moment. I wanted it just to be her and Papa, my stepfather. They'd been deeply in love for 20 years and I was like, this isn't for me. You have to be here to witness her passing. I just, it didn't feel right. You know, I felt, I felt like I needed to, to, to honor my obligations and my child and my life and I'll never forget when I got up to move, she moved toward me. Like I got up to leave and it was like, you know, when an infant seems just kind of checked out, but then like a grown up comes to them and they, they reach for them and, and there's a huge wave of compliments throughout the room. Oh, look, she's going to you. The baby's going to you. That's how I felt. All of a sudden, my mother moved her arms and turned her head with closed eyes for the first time in four days. She moved. It was toward me. I was leaving her and, and Papa and Greg, they were like, Oh, look, she's, she's reaching for you. And I really, I really said my most thorough goodbye. And I, and I walked away and my sister was in California. My other sister was gone and my brother was in Colorado. We were not in the room, but at her funeral, at her memorial, everyone reported that they woke up at four o'clock in the morning that Tuesday, and they knew my sister Tracy with her babies, her husband was traveling for work. She was struggling with the decision, should she fly back home? You know, she'd only been there nine days earlier for Easter when my mom was starting the transition. We didn't know the end was that close. But she she woke up from a start and she was like, nope, mom's in heaven now. I don't, I don't have to get on the airplane. You know, she sat with that. I woke up. And I, I just knew it before I knew it. You know, I, I went to reach for my phone to see what the status was. And there was the note from Papa sent like one minute before. You know, we, we knew she was gone because she said goodbye. So I kept working. I kept teaching. I kept going to yoga. And in teacher training that next weekend, a friend of mine was leading pranayama. And he had us closing our eyes and listening to our breath. And I realized listening to my own breathing, I could hear her. I could hear her. And then later on that month, my daughter was sleeping and she's 12, you know, but she conked out on the couch and I leaned in just like she was an infant. I listened to her breathing. I was like, that sounds just like when she was an infant. And so taking the time to listen to my dog breathe and snore, listening to my husband breathe and snore, listening to my yoga students breathe and sometimes snore. I'm reminded that breath isn't something that just happens. It's a manifestation and it's an expression of your soul, 
who you really are. It's beautiful, it's perfect, it's whole, and it's enough, okay? So pranayama, fourth limb of yoga. Take yourself from the yamas and niyamas, the rules and your practices, through asana, the third limb, upstairs to your heart and your lungs, a place where your soul and who you really are reside. Let's be in that place. Thanks for listening. I'm really grateful for the chance to talk about pranayama and everything else that we cover in these little videos. And I hope that this piece has brought you a little peace. Thank you. Thank you, Nemo. <laughs> Namaste.